Hi everyone, I'm Katie Perry Corbin, and my favorite memories from high school really just involve my girlfriends. Um, spending time behind the high school on Friday nights I always thought was really fun at the end of the week, and I also totally love going to proms and semi-formals, and now looking back at those pictures with our hair and our fashion makes me laugh so hard. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in once again to the Ponder This podcast. I'm your host, Tim Dalton. I hate saying this, but it's really the only relevant connection that you'll have uh, between me and why I'm doing this. But I am the former class president of the class of 1990 from Arlington High. I'm very happy to have on the other line a, uh, a young lady who was a good friend in high school, she was a cheerleader. She ended up applying to all the same colleges and universities that I did, and I think was uh, going to get into communications as well. I'll ask her a little bit about that as she went a little bit further north in the state of New York than I did. But uh, she's somebody that's joining us from the great state of California. She's just coming off a of cold. It's a cold, a cold, people. So bear with her if her nose and her voice is sounding a little nasally. Please put your hands together and give a big part of this welcome to Miss Katie Terry. Catherine, so nice to see you, my dear. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the kind introduction. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, it's all 100% factual and accurate, I believe, to the best of my knowledge. Uh -huh. I was not a cheerleader. I cheered on my team, but I was not a cheerleader. Like I said, I thought it was factual and accurate, and here <laughs> I am coming, shooting blanks right out of the box. That's okay. It's okay. I played a couple sports, but cheer wasn't one of them. I love it. So uh, how are things? Where are you right now? I live in Pasadena, California, which is right outside of L.A., and things are very good this season of my life. Is very good. That's nice. So you're part of the uh, the Rose Bowl out there in Pasadena. How long have you been in California? We've been here for three years. Okay. Um, actually, we uh, live right on the parade route. So last year we saw the parade going right by. Perfect. What uh, won't be happening this year? Yeah, that's. I know. I know. There's a lot not happening this year. Like our thirtieth reunion in person. It's not happening this year. Um, what, uh, what brought you to California and where were you prior to that? Uh, my husband got a job here, one that he didn't uh, want to pass up. And so we moved our three and five year old at the time. And before that, uh, a little background is I had been living in New York city for about 20 years. And we moved to a suburb of Philadelphia just a couple of years before coming out here we kind of thought that was going to be our little kid's K through 12 experience, a sweet little town and community, and then he got uh, this offer out here. So the bulk of my past has been in New York City, um, and then a little stop in Philadelphia, and now here. Well, you pick some nice cities to live in. A couple that I've uh, you know ventured to, and uh, what were you doing in New York, Kate? I was a corporate event planner. And how did that treat you? 
I loved it. I I loved my career. It was a lot of fun. Um, I was younger and single, and I got <laughs> to travel and um, kind of experience a different side of New York and a, a different, you know, kind of traveling all around the country, just kind of going to nice resorts and being on someone else's dime, although working, um, but really got to experience some nice cities. And that was just, I love my career. It, it's a great uh, job. It was just really hard to translate to having little kids because there is a lot of travel involved. Um, so it worked really well when I was young and single, not quite as well when I got married and had kids. So then I actually started working in academia. So I've been um, an event planner in academia for the last Eight, nine years. Oh, good. Good for you. Nice transition. I can relate. I worked in uh, professional sports marketing for 12 years. Same thing. Great when you were single to show up at work at seven or eight in the morning and stay till the game was over until 11 or 12 o'clock at night, have a few beers till one or two in the morning and right. right not really conducive to, to a family life. And, uh, yeah. and, and it, it did take it. Par for the course. Yeah. I, I looked at, I remember I looked at a job description once and it said, for corporate event planner, it said 90% travel. Like, I couldn't even own a plant. I mean, that's like a stewardess. Like, we want to travel 90% of the time. Yeah, what are you doing the other 10? Right, you have to actually put the event together, so... Who were some of the best clients you had? Who like any any top names that people would be like, oh wow, she did an event, or what? Or what are some of your most memorable events? Did were you um, were, were you busy like during uh, two thousand, like the whole Y two K, the 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 turn of the? Yep, yep. I would say um, our events, the kind of standard events I worked for, I mostly worked for an insurance company. A consulting firm. Yep. They were relatively, um, you know, not super exciting events, but they were in really nice places. So I think my favorite event was um, one where I got to travel to Sydney, Australia. Oh. And um, we had an event there for three days, but I tacked on two weeks of vacation because I figured, when am I getting back to Australia? That's smart. I would have done the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also right? jet lag, everything else. Like, geez, for three days, you probably come back and, and need need a vacation from your your, your corporate event in the first place. That's right. But I mean, so when you're planning corporate events, you're trying to wine and dine your clients. And so we climbed the, um, the Sydney bridge mm-hmm. and they're like, would anyone like to sign up to take the, you know, group on a tour? I'm like, so any, any time that there was something really great that I'm like, sure, I'll experience it. I'm first in line. That's fantastic. I was fortunate enough to, um, to piggyback on one of these corporate events. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I spent 10 years uh, from 97 to 07 impersonating Austin Powers uh, as a side gig, if you will. I saw the, I saw the first movie and, and became a fan. And of course had to do the, uh, the voice impersonation. And uh, someone took me, I did a little bit of, corporate travel myself and somebody took me to Hawaii to entertain for, I think it was, for, Oh my gosh. it was fantastic. I know what you mean about the, Hey, you can either go, you know, canoeing or you can go skydiving or parasailing or, you know, swim with the dolphins. And I was like, I want to do right. it. I want to do it all. I was like, sign me. And I was like a guest, you know what I mean? I was like, sign, sign me up for like everything. Um, right. 
And and that was, did you see a change, Katie? Because the reason I ask is even though I was working in sports, we did a ton of hospitality in like the luxury suites. And for the longest time, our biggest clients were those in the pharmaceutical industry. And then there, there, mm-hmm. were, there, there became a serious uh, regulation of like, hey, you guys are like schmoozing. You're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on these doctors and you know, we're not sure that this is all above ground because our biggest clients were Pfizer and and uh, AstraZeneca and some of these pharmaceutical companies, and and then that became heavily regulated. Did you notice that at all? That you guys had to at different times pull back the reins from what you were doing? Yes, it definitely wasn't a free for all the way it was in the late '90s. Um, I mean, you could still serve top shelf liquor and lobster for dinner, but you're, you know, you couldn't give a daily gift of $150. I mean, I think there were actually limits that it was like a one $100 gift. So you did have to follow more rules and guidelines, yep. but it didn't stop it from happening. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't even say that that was like the biggest kind of career turning point. I'd say it was more um, September 11th and just the freeze on travel and, um, just kind of the fear and, and we had to cancel a ton of programs and I mean obviously I was in New York City so so that really changed the face of things. Sure. How how did that affect you directly? Nine eleven? Um, I mean I was living in the city, I was working in the city and I worked in Midtown but um my parent company was actually in the World Trade Center. So oh. I knew um I knew a few people who perished unfortunately. And I knew a lot of people who survived also. Um, yeah. And, and after that happened, um, my company ended up moving out to Hoboken. And so they took a bunch of us from Midtown to also go out to Hoboken. But it was um, a really very scary time to be in the city, you know, just uh, living there and, and waking up, you know, for the weeks that followed smelling this, um, you know, burning smell that was kind of wafting up to town and, and having bomb threats and and scares of anthrax. It felt like it lasted really for a long time, even after September 11th. There was great kind of fear in the air. Yeah, I can remember it um, pretty vividly as well because I was working at the TD Garden at the time, and I was like, all right, there's going to be a bomb. You know what I mean? I actually went to the Super Bowl, Katie, in New Orleans that the Patriots won against um, the uh, St. Louis Rams, the first Super Bowl that they won in 02, February of 02, but it was the 2001 season when Robert Kraft got up and said, you know, today we are all Patriots, and you 2 played the halftime show, and they scrolled the 3,500 names. While they were performing at halftime, the names were like scrolling on these banners behind the band. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And I remember just the fear. I was like, should I even be going to the Super Bowl? I was like, there's going to be lines right. that are like eight hours long to get in. And and right. and is something more going to happen? You're right. It, it Just because it happened on September 11th, there was such an uneasy feeling for so long after that. Like, what's next? You know, you kept waiting for right. the next shoe to drop. So. Um, yeah, and then I, mean, I lived in the city, so I was like, well, where am I going to go? I mean, I actually went back to Arlington, and I had dinner with my parents at Jimmy's, so I had some, like, <laughs> time with family and, and needed some, some comfort food and needed to get out of it, but that's where I lived. So you just kind of carry on your normal life as best you can under the circumstances. I mean, I did little things, like, it was definitely in my head, and I was 
scared and you know there were just so many unknowns so I stopped taking the subway to work I just right. didn't want to be on the ground I started taking the bus I would walk home from work so um life carried on just, just a little differently did you have any close friends in New York do you feel like you were on your own down there or you know I'm, I'm sure you made some but did you move there literally like right after college Katie no. So I moved to California right after college okay. with a couple of college friends. We went out to Lake Tahoe and just kind of, it was kind of like a fifth year of college. We waitressed, we skied, and then I ended up in New York about a year and a half after graduating. And my, I went to school in upstate New York. So I went to Syracuse and a lot of Syracuse people tended to go to New York City or DC or Boston. Mm-hmm. And I was from Boston, so I didn't want to go back there. I wasn't really interested in politics, so D.C. wasn't my thing. And I really didn't know if I wanted to go to New York, but two of my best friends got us an apartment. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And the first week I was there, I was kind of looking for work, and both of my roommates were already working. And I remember I was just scared to even leave my apartment to, like, go get a bagel. And I had to be like, okay, I can do it. (laughs) And I did it. And kind of once you rip the Band-Aid off and you just kind of embrace it, um, it doesn't, it doesn't happen for everyone, but for me, I absolutely love New York City. I would have never left if I didn't have to. My husband doesn't like it as much as I do, but um, I loved living there. And so I was there for about 15 years before I met my husband. And then um, my husband actually has um, some children from a prior marriage, and they live in New Hampshire. So we worked in New York City, and we bought a house in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. So we were kind of splitting our time, but but kept a foot in um, in New York City for like as long as I possibly could. I love it. I I can relate. I went to Hofstra in Long Island because I wanted to be closer to Manhattan, and I actually loved it. I mean, same as you. At first, I was like, this this is too big. There are just too many people. It's too loud. You know, Boston's a quote-unquote walking city. I felt like very comfortable in Harvard Square and in and in Boston. But in New York, I, I honestly, I didn't feel comfortable. And when I've gone back since, I feel there was a time in the late 90s, even into the 2000s, where they did a really good job of, like, kind of cleaning up New York and the image. And it just didn't seem as dirty or as crime-riddled or... So I was like, listen, if if New York kind of cleans itself up, it's a ton of fun. Like, you know, like it, it really doesn't close till four or five in the morning. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot to do. There's a lot of great restaurants and, and everything else. And I kind of fell in love with it, too, as much as you kind of as a Bostonian hate to admit it. You know what I mean? It uh, I I still love it, too, and have some good friends from from college who were who down there. So I I give you credit for sort of throwing yourself in into the mix and and giving it a shot you know yeah I had a lot of great years there a lot of great friends so again a lot of college friends and then made friends through work but I mean I don't think I was alone like when I started you know having little kids I was actually we were in a great um area we lived down in Battery Park and there was a great school system a, a great public school down there and so we really would have been and happy for a while but I think I like a lot of other people once you start having kids you might not be taking advantage of everything that you were when you didn't have kids like we weren't going to Broadway shows we weren't going to restaurants all the time and um, actually my two little kids were sleeping in our walk-in closet so we weren't really living oh my the God, dream that's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and people do it 
Yeah, no, no, yeah. Real estate, uh, real, yeah, real estate's at a premium in, in New York. Yeah, yeah. That's very funny. Um, so, Katie, it must have been kind of challenging. Um, I know you talked a lot about 9-11 and just what it was like in New York. So it's a big place that can swallow some people up. But uh, did anything, you know, interesting ever happen to you? It's such a big city. you have any, any good stories from New York to tell me? Yeah, of course. I mean, there's never a dull moment in New York. There's definitely a lot of life that's lived. And, of course, I went to the dry cleaner and supermarket on weekends like anyone else would anywhere else. But also, you just have this ability to kind of rub elbows with people that you might not in other places. Yeah, it's, so, um, it's like the city that never sleeps. I mean, isn't it true? You know, and again, I went to college there, but... You walk down the streets and like models, like models or actors, people are just all over the place. You you, you do a double take and you're like, was that just uh, Matthew Broderick that walked by or was that just uh, Iman? Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. And that can happen all the time. And yeah, for sure, the supermodels and the athletes were really easy to, you know, put, you know pick out because they're six feet tall walking down the sidewalk. Right, right. right. Other women anyway. And the men were huge. But um, so I have a couple of celeb stories. So one... It was, I mean, one of, like, the first months I was living in the city, and me and my girlfriend just went to, like, our local, like, neighborhood bar for a pre-drink. And we're sitting there, and Joe Pesci is at the bar next to us. No way. And I'm like, Michelle, that's so, yeah. I go, Michelle, that's Joe Pesci. And she's like, that's no way it's Joe Pesci. So I, like, try to convince her without, like, you know, making a stir. But it fully is, and I hear him talking, and it's him. So he leaves, and so I say to the bartender, is that Joe Pesci? And he goes, of course it was Joe Pesci. And my friend couldn't believe it. And I was like, we're in New York City now. Like, this is just a local Yoko bar. And this is probably his local Yoko. Like, this is where you go for a drink. Like, That's... there's a, right, it's just like a neighborhood place where anyone goes to live there. So that was kind of our... You know, a first, a first kind of rub with that. Yeah, that's that's fun though too. That uh, no, but that's fun that he had like a local place. You know what I mean? That it wasn't like some fancy foo foo shishi. It was Joe Pesci in like the exactly. ba- in the basement of a you know pre drink uh, bar, which is yeah. which is great. Right. Beer at a divey local bar. Yeah, exactly. I, I love dive bars. By the way. And New York City has a lot of them, and they're very fun. <laughs> but it's true. There's a lot of shishi you could do, yeah. and a lot of locally dive bars, a lot of Irish pubs, and there's just runs the gamut. Um, but, okay, my next second best story. Actually, this is probably the first best story. My, um, so my husband and I had just, we, we live in New Hampshire over the summer, and my stepkids would live with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both didn't have to work over the summer. We'd come back to New York City. In the you know beginning of the school year, and it was kind of back to the grind, and back to a small apartment and no you know lake and big yard and fire pit in New Hampshire, but like city living, apartments, and it was always a hard transition. And this one particular year, we came back. My little girl was nine months old, so she's really little, yeah. and we're just kind of adjusting to life in the city with um, an infant. So we're a little frustrated, it's hot, we're taking the subway, it's just a tough transition. So I go home one night after work and my husband goes out with colleagues to an Irish bar and he happens to bump into Bob Kraft, who is at this bar watching a Patriots preseason game. And so my husband doesn't want to kind of stalk him, but he's like, oh, I've got a Patriots fan, I've got a Patriots fan sometimes too, like I've got to go over and say something. So he goes over 
and approaches him. And Bob Kraft is super warm and super friendly and ends up talking to my husband for like an extra half an hour. Like my husband will walk away and Bob Kraft will come back and like start talking to him again. That's so, awesome. Uh, Mr. Robert yeah. Kraft is just hanging out watching yeah. a preseason football game in a bar in New York City in the middle of the summer. Exactly. With um, his super young girlfriend, who my husband actually calls like his grandfather. But, oh, wow. <laughs> um, so anyway, my husband, I'm home with our little nine-month-old, and my husband texts me a picture, and he goes, what who I bumped into? And it was just completely out of context. And I'm like, how do I know that person? Oh, boy. And, you know, he's older and can. And, and I'm like, is that a TV show host? And I'm like, who is that? And he's like, it's Bob Kraft. And then his next line is, he's taking us on his private plane to New Hampshire tomorrow. What? And I'm like, now what? <laughs> yeah. So my husband, when he's talking to him, you know, Bob Kraft says, where are you from? And he says, well, we live here and we live in New Hampshire. And he says, oh, I'm going to New Hampshire tomorrow to meet with the governor about a Patriots lottery ticket. Would you like a ride? Shut <laughs> up. Oh, I swear. So, so my did, husband did you, So did you go? <laughs> Heck yeah. So you oh, went yeah. on, we a, went on, on, a private, on a private plane? We went on Bob Craft's private plane out of LaGuardia Airport. No private planes fly out of LaGuardia. They all fly out of Peterborough, except for, at that time, I could have changed by now, Trump, Bloomberg, and Kraft. Because no one could afford it because you're paying public, you know, you're, you're paying what, what, what air, you know, companies would pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not like, right, you weren't going to the local airstrip to fly out. Like, even, exactly. even like, I've flown on a couple Bruins private planes to go to uh, a couple away Bruins games, but they always flew out of... Um, Hanscom, they never, they don't fly out of Logan. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my husband and I get our daughter into a cab heading <laughs> out to LaGuardia. Of course, she starts crying because she's nine months old. And we're like, oh, shoot, we forgot about that little detail. Oh, God. But she calms down. We're on the plane with Mr. Kraft. We thought that, like, maybe Bill Belichick would be there, Tom Brady and Giselle, but none of them came. It was just Mr. Kraft, who was super nice and greeted us and talked to us and then said, you know, I've just got to kind of um, do some work before I meet the governor. And he kind of goes up to, like, the front of the plane, which is massive. The plane can seat, like, 25 people. He has a lovely stewardess who offers us breakfast, like, homemade omelets. And our funny joke was, she would be like, would you like some coffee? And we're like, okay. And she's like, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, and my like, God. Oh, yeah. which, which did you <laughs> choose? Yeah, which did you choose? Um, we, we both chose Starbucks. Oh, nice. Okay. So, All right. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> yeah, so um, Mr. Kraft does his work, but then it was really funny, like 10 minutes into the flight, and the flight's only like 40 minutes. Right. He turns around, and he just comes and back and chit-chats with us, and my husband Kelly totally thought they were going to talk football. I don't know, new people on the team, but he actually talked to me, I mean, and Kelly also, but he talked for like a solid half an hour about his wife and about his wife's passing and just um, the grief that he was going through. And he was just such, like, a real man, and it was, it was just a real human being, and it was just the craziest experience ever. But again, like, flying on his private jet because my husband bumped into him in a bar. That's so, <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Did he say anything like, hey, you can't tell anyone? Did he say, don't take any pictures? Like, what, uh, was there anything so I, where he said, like, hey, I don't need you posting this on, like, social? Well, like, what year are we talking, Katie? So this was eight years ago. 
Okay. He alluded to that, and I had really only just started even using Facebook, so I wasn't kind of like a tiger or a yeah, 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 so yeah. I just, He alluded to wanting to kind of keep his privacy, but I just didn't take any pictures anyway. That's well, we did the truth before we got on the Yeah. Um, but, but he was just such like a real nice, human being, like, I wouldn't have wanted to have, like, exploited the situation, you know? I understand. I would have, I, I, you know, so, I mean, again, I love stuff like this. It's just almost sometimes unbelievable. So you just want to die. Like a lot of times for me, I don't want, I don't want autograph. Like somebody signing a piece of paper for me does nothing for me. I'll just say, I'll give you one quick funny story that I was in the Fort Myers airport in Fort, Fort, uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And I saw Larry Bird and I almost shit myself because like at this point, he's like my favorite athlete of all time. And I'm like, that's Larry Bird. So this is in like 1990, like six or seven. My mother uh, had been going down to Florida for a few years after my dad passed away just to get away for a month or six weeks. And I said, mom, that's Larry Bird. I said, I'm going to go like run him down. And at the time in like 96, 97, they sold beer in like the jetway, you know what I mean? Like not, you didn't have to go into a bar. Like there was literally a dude selling out of a cooler, like you were at Gillette stadium. Like it was like, (laughs) so I grabbed two Miller lights. I bought two Miller lights and I like ran the Larry bird that they was probably shaking up and was going to like drip all over, you know, splatter in his face. But I go, you know, I'm like, Larry, uh, I don't want an autograph. I don't really care. I just want to tell you, I've enjoyed watching you over the years. I, and I can, I just want to be able to tell my friends I bought Larry Bird a beer and I handed him a Miller light <laughs> and, and I cracked it. I cracked mine open and I was like, I just want to tell my friends I, I drank a beer with Larry Bird. They'll never believe me, but I don't care. Uh, I'm, I did it. So that's kind of my Larry cheers, Bird. Story. Cheers to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. awesome. Katie, Everyone, that everyone's got to have one. That's a great story. And and he is a. Uh, it's nice to know he's a human being. You know, I mean, again, look at what he's done with the uh, sending PPE down to New York and all over and trying to help. And I mean, I, I feel like he's always been big on uh, on on social causes. But uh, um, that's fantastic. So you, you, your husband must have some game if he talked Robert Kraft into getting a flight to friggin' New Hampshire. The guy's got to be a smooth smooth talker. <laughs> He's got some charisma, my husband. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. he, la- he landed you. That's no small feat. I mean, he landed <laughs> you. So that's that's good stuff. That's what I got. So tell me now about academia. How was how that life treating you? I mean, has the, was the transition smooth? Was it easy? Are you are you happy where you are? I am. I, I've also, I haven't worked consistently. I took a couple of years off to just be a stay-at-home mom. My job right now is just part-time, so I can still be really involved. My um, my kids are still really little, and I did, you know, when I was working full-time, I thought that maybe they were old enough for me to go back to work, but I realized they were just still so little and needed me a lot, so the part-time gig is a lot better. And right now I'm doing um, admissions and admissions events. Okay. And just because events are a little wonky right now and in-person things, just a part-time job, but that's fantastic. And the transition was great because in academia, you definitely don't travel as much. So it's not as glamorous, uh, but I like it. I like it a lot. It was a good um, transition to kind of keep doing what I was doing mm-hmm. um, and not start totally anew. 
Good for you. Again, you're right. Sometimes uh, a, a little detour is not a bad thing, you know what I mean? And, and change can be intimidating at the beginning, but you find that you have sort of your niche and you're still able to maybe take some things you learned from a previous job, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. it, it sort of helps, and it sounds like that's the case with you here. Um, and I give you, I commend you, honestly, hats off for spending time with your children when they were, you know, little and even now it's, um, it's a tough juggling act. And I think if you held, you know, if, if you held a truth detector up to people now, a lot of one crazy thing, I guess what I'm trying to get at Katie, and I'm stumbling over here is that one crazy thing that's come out of the pandemic, I think is actually there's, I've talked to many people that have said the fact that life has slowed down a little bit and I've been home as much as I've been, it's actually made me appreciate my family a little bit more and the, and like the quiet time. And again, I'm the first one to raise my hand and go, yeah, who's going to benefit from this pandemic? I'm like divorce attorneys. <laughs> but, <laughs> but aside from that, <laughs> and that's not me, I'm just speaking. That's not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, Karen Furia has offered up her services to anybody that's, uh, in, 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 in need and, and, uh, Noreen Hogan is going to give us some, some mind clearing, uh, therapy zoom classes. So we, we listen, I've, I've got a whole network of people that I've reconnected with. Uh, I can use their services. I'm excited about that. Um, but I digress. I give you credit for staying home with the kids. I think it's like huge. I, had my own business for a while and uh, could make my own hours. And I feel like my relationship is so close with my 13, almost 14 year old son today because of the time I spent with him between like two and five. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, You know, we didn't, my, my ex-wife and I at the time, I didn't have to, we didn't have to ship him off to, to somebody else. We were able to kind of manage it amongst ourselves and, and her, you know, her mom and dad and just family. And I appreciate that now more than I think I did at the time. You're like, Oh, this is such a pain in the ass, but it's actually, it's been kind of a blessing. Yeah, no, I've loved being with my kids, every age, every stage. And, um, you know, I had my kids quite a bit later in life. I didn't, I didn't get married till I was 37. I had my little girl when I was 39 and my little boy when I was 41. So I'd already spent a lot of time, doing my career. So not doing my career felt great. Which is nice. And I, I love, I have to tell you, and, and I'm not alone. We love seeing you with your girlfriends and the crew. I mean, clearly um, you all look fantastic. It's, it's very refreshing to see you and Paula and Julie and Jane and Beth. Am I missing anyone? Did I? Kathy. Kathy. Jiggin. Yes, Kathy Diggins. I'm sorry, Katie and Kathy. Um, how often do you talk to the girls? I know you've been doing some, you know, I know in the beginning you did a, like a Zoom happy hour here and there, and but I, I love seeing you guys together. I think it's fantastic. We did, and we still do. We did last week. And, I mean, I talked to Paula a couple times a week. I just hung up with Beth Hughes before I got on the phone with you. Love so it. I talked to her all the time, too. Um, I mean, they're just still my closest friends. You know, we've all been at each other's weddings or in each other's weddings. Um, 
but they're a huge part of my life. And, you know, Julie Driscoll and I met in nursery school. Paula and I met in second grade. Right. So we've got a, a long, a long history together. And so my, my little daughter, Eliza, loved asking Paula, what was my mom like in third grade? She told me something about fifth grade. Did you have another story about her in fifth grade? But it's great to have that history and that connection. And my parents still live in Arlington. My parents still live in the house that I grew up in. And I don't, none of my girlfriends are in Arlington anymore, but they're all very close. So when we were traveling more, um, I, I would see them pretty regularly. Paul has come out to California. None of the other ones have come out to California. All right. Well, we're going to have to change that. We'll let, you know, maybe 2021, we'll let, we'll let this year pass. I think we should all just, I, I mean, it should almost be a freeze on 2020. Like we should all just stay 48 for another year and not, not, not have to add on a year <laughs> next year. I don't know. It, it, we need a massive do over. <laughs> What a year. Yeah. I mean, how about doing our reunion next year? We, yeah, it's delayed, but everything's a little, a little weird. I, I'm sure we'll figure that part out. Um, I think there's enough interest in everybody sort of getting together and, uh, there's a few people that have, have offered up a venue. So we'll, we'll try to make that happen. Um, what does today Katie Terry like to do for fun? Um, I really like rafting, like tubing down rivers. We do that a lot with our little kids. Um, kind of pack a, a cooler of beer and soda. Nice. And float for a couple of hours to beat the heat. We like that. And, you know, we're, we're outside and we're doing stuff a lot. So um, we are not homebodies. And so this pandemic has been a little strange for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to get out and do stuff a lot. We like to hike. We love the California beaches. And all of those things have reopened, but it was really, we, we felt pretty um, trapped in March and April when, when everything was really closing. So I feel like we're just, we're just active. We like experiencing things, being out and doing things. That's great. I think that uh, I have some friends in California. I mean, would you say, are you happy with the way the governor of California like put a lot of safety measures in place? I, I know that California in particular was, all right, we're going on lockdown and, and we're going to stop this thing from spreading. Did it, you know, do you agree with that or were you kind of like, all right, let's go. Let's, where do you fall? I don't agree with it at all. I wish that it was left up to people to decide what was safe for their health and their family. Um, totally understand. You know, my dad is 90, so he's really staying in in our we don't have a multi-generational household. I'm not exposing um, people to anything or my kids aren't. So I think it just really depends on your situation. Yep. And I would have liked to have had the choice to be able to keep my kids in school last year. I mean, last year I had a kindergartner and a second grader. And translating kindergarten work to online was a great challenge. Sure. So um, I did not agree with Governor Newsom. Got it. I see both sides of it, and like you said, I think it depends on each person's circumstance. So I'll, I'll sort of leave it at that. Um, yeah. It's nice to be able to make your own your own decisions and choices based on what you think is best for you and your family, you know? Yeah. Um, we, uh, we actually left L.A. this summer. We, um, we spent our summer in where things were much more normal and open and a little more 
your own choice. Mm-hmm. So again, that's where we were kind of floating down rivers and having a good time. But my little kids were able to do summer camp. Things like that were open there that weren't open in LA. So they definitely, their life still felt relatively normal. Great. What, uh, anything big in store for the future? Any place you'd like to visit? Is there anything that uh, you're, you're kind of looking forward to somewhere down the road? I mean, it sounds really strange, but my husband and I are already talking about retirement. Like, what are we going to do when we retire? Um, I mean, I definitely have a, a wish list of places to travel to. And our travel um, kind of, our, our travel time has been squashed. Well, you know, this year anyway. Yeah. But I don't know if this happens in Massachusetts, but in California, fourth graders get a, um, a pass for all of the national parks. So the whole family can get in for free. And so I was thinking next year we would do things like the Grand Canyon or go up to Utah. Um, I haven't taken my kids to Yosemite. So those kinds of things, you know, if we're not really traveling internationally. And like you said about Hawaii, I've been to Hawaii, but my kids and my husband haven't. And I'm like, we're in California now. We're so close. Like Mm. we should go to Hawaii. So I would love to see that happen while we're out here. That's fantastic. Uh, Not that I know of. Maybe you get a pass to like the Museum of Fine Arts or something, but... Certainly not. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if it's national parks. Why wouldn't it be a national program? I know. My little girl isn't, isn't in fourth grade yet, but that's what I've heard that they do for fourth graders. I mean, you have some some spectacular choices, like you said. If you go to Utah, is it uh, is it like Bryce Canyon or something in Utah? Bryce and, and Zion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, some of that. I'm always fascinated. I don't. I haven't traveled a ton. I've traveled uh, a little bit. You know what I mean? But. Um, I'm fascinated, like, growing up in New England and then going to, like, Sedona in Arizona, that you're in, like, the same, you're, you're, you're in the same country. It's like, this is, this is crazy. You know, you, you know, I've been to Texas, I've been to Arizona, I've been to California, but um, it does kind of baffle my mind sometimes and, and how much people do enjoy coming to New England, especially now it's fall, the foliage and, and just yeah. the mountains here and, it's very beautiful, and I do like a change of seasons. I hate I hate the cold, but um, it's crazy sometimes when you when you do think about how different parts of our our nation are. You know what I mean? So I, I I'm I'm on board, Katie. I I say you go check out some <laughs> national parks next year. I, I you know take some photos. We'll throw them up on the on the Instagram uh, for the podcast of where you and yeah, your, where, I'll tell you. I don't, I don't miss shoveling. Although living in New York City, I never had to shovel. Someone else was doing the shoveling. Right. But living in New Hampshire, we had to shovel. I don't miss it at all. Yesterday, so what was yesterday? October eighth. Yep. Uh, yesterday was eighty-seven degrees here. Ugh. I'm, I'm not complaining at all. It was, it's the weather. They call it the weather tax here. You pay for it here, but it's just unbeatable. I maybe wear a fleece a couple days a year. But it really doesn't get cold. That's nice. I, I am envious of that. I'm in a sweatshirt today. It's 57. You know, which 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 meant it was 41 this morning or whatever it was. And uh, you know, I could take or leave the cold. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, not a big fan. Well, I'm glad everything is well and at peace in your life. I'm serious. Like, I it makes me happy to see that you're happy. I'm I'm delighted that your parents are still with us. Um, you know, it it seems like you could be a chameleon and sort of blend in anywhere. You know what I mean? Which is a, a testament to you as a, as a person. And, uh, I, I want to 
thank you honestly for taking some time to, to catch us up on what's happening in your life and uh, good luck beating that cold. You'll probably get another one with, with two young children. It's what happens. <laughs> it's what happens. It Tim, could... you're so sweet to do this. No. I appreciate you taking the time and the energy to connect people and, and make this project happen. It's, I told you off air, but I'll say it on air. It's been far better than I could have ever imagined. Honestly, it's been, uh, it's, it's done more for me just in terms of, uh, seeing old friends and hearing their voices. I said to a lot of people, you know, while everyone might not still look the same, <laughs> everyone still sounds the same. You know what I mean? Like that once your voice is your voice, I think, yeah. it, I, I think unless you've had some sort of medical issue, you still sound the exact same to me. Honestly, you still, I, well, I guess you haven't been ripping butts for 30 years is what I'm saying. <laughs> true, true. Um, so who are you still connected with other than all these people who you've been talking to? Are you still friends with Arlington guys? Uh, I'm I'm friends with a, a great one, uh, Carl Paratori. Carl is uh, okay. Carl's my man. Uh, his son and my son have had the opportunity to play baseball together, so kind of talking about what you, know, you mentioned with Paula, and your daughter asking questions and so on and so forth. It's been a joy for me to see a Dalton and Paratory on the diamond together. You know what I mean? It's been like great. Um, and honestly, it was Carl and then Chris O'Neill who unfortunately, um, you know, passed almost five years ago now. And it was those two guys and then a lot of others I was sort of just friendly with or acquaintances with or maybe caught up with once in a while, but really just Chris and Carl. So, uh, we're down one, but we're not out. And uh, like I said, I, I personally, Katie, loved high school. I know it's not for everybody. And, and you know, one thing being almost 50, um, a lot of our classmates have high schoolers, have have kids yeah. actually in their 20s. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm like you. I got married late. You know what I mean? Uh, you got, I got married at 34, and I only have a 14-year-old, almost 14-year-old son. So he's not in high school yet. But um, a lot have gone through junior year, senior year, the heartache, the, the you know, they're now freshmen in college, and they're going through virtual learning. And so I think – the fact that we're coming up on our 30th reunion and we're coming up on 50 years of age, it's just the right time for me to kind of chat with everybody and do a check-in. Everyone doesn't have a three- or five-year-old at home, you know what I mean? Or everyone's not trying to figure out this and that. You've lived a little bit. You've traveled a little bit. You're now passing on knowledge to your child, you know, your children. Um, so, I, again... I wanted to just uh, say hi. I It's been a funky year. Um, and my wife's like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, don't worry about it. I said, uh, it's just something I need to do. <laughs> you know, Your pet project. My pet project. I said, it's something I just need to do. And uh, that's one thing I can sit here and say that um, I don't have any regrets. I don't. Do you have any regrets at this stage in your life? Is there anything that you would, would want to do over a change? No, I don't. I don't hold on to regrets. I'm sure I've said and done stupid things, but they're not uh, slowing me down or making me wish I could. I could do a retake. Well, it's just also interesting. Like when you talk about high school, I loved high school. I loved everything about high school. I didn't like junior high, but I loved high school. Yeah. 
And interestingly, I've never gone back. I've never gone to say hello to old teachers, which I'm sure aren't even there now. But I just never wanted to kind of revisit it. I wanted to keep it just as it was, when it was, you know, in my mind, not not change it at all. So I never stepped foot in the high school again. And the only thing that's really brought me back is my nephew, my nieces and nephews. I mean, my brother Joe still lives in town, so they've had some things going on, and, and I've gone to some shows and plays and Battle of the Bands and things of that nature. But um, yeah. if it wasn't for those guys, I, I probably wouldn't have either, you know. And yeah. uh, and I just feel like we had a special class, too. I really do. Um, I watched Jen Santasuaso put the um, – she put our graduation on Facebook and I actually, you know, watched most of it. And Renee Paradis gave a great speech, honestly. And she said, there's 310 of us and we all sort of, we're different. We all come from different backgrounds. We all like different things, but we all respect each other and our differences. And that honestly resonated with me even more so today. It's like we live in such a crazy world. Um, I'm all about, you know, my one rule for my son is just be kind. I'm not asking you to be a genius or an athlete or I'm like, just be kind. Just, there's no excuse not to be nice to somebody. You know what I mean? Like just, if you can do that for me, I'll be forever, you know, proud as a parent. So all I've tried to instill in him is, is truthfully just, you know, you don't have to love everybody, but just give everybody a shot. You know what I mean? So, so that's it. Yeah. Simple. So listen, I'm going to let you go and I can't thank you enough again for taking some time. I appreciate it very much. While we're still on air, Tim, I'm going to plug my two little cuties because I have a picture in my office. Nice. Adorable. Thank you. I just had to. No. My, my pride and joy. I love it. Proud mama. Well, it's great to talk to you. You're very kind and sweet to do this. I'm glad that you're a fan, and I'm a fan of yours. And uh, you talk to those other girls. You tell them to give me a call because I'm going to. I'm going to work on them. I'd love to get them on the air as well. Thank you so much. Katie Terry, everybody. There she is. Not only is she beautiful, her children are too. That's some good genes in that family. Oh,